Heather, could you say some words, please? Woohoo, let's go Star Trek. We are good to go. Actually, if you can, can you turn your microphone volume up a little bit? Uh, let me see. Let me back away some. I will back away some. Is that better? Uh, give me a little more, please. I got to make sure I'm turning it the right direction. I think that's better. I think I'm yeah, turning it that, up. Her, yes, keep going. Okay. A little bit more. I don't want to turn it up too high because then it picks up my mewing cat in the background. That's okay. I don't mind that at all. That's, <laughs> that's perfectly fine. The internet loves cats. What's up, everybody? Welcome to the Promenade Merchants Podcast. It's our 51st episode. I'm David Majors. I'm joined by my fantastic co-host, Heather Kirby. Hey, Heather. Good to talk to you about again, and we're, we're talking Star Trek. We are here to tar- talk some Star Trek. And, and, you know, I'm really excited today. I think this is going to be a good one. I, I agree, because we, we have plenty to get into for all three phases, old business, new business, and upcoming. So I'm just I'm just ready to jump in because we've covered Mission Chicago. We celebrated our 50th episode. So let's just get back into it. So let's start with old business. And I think that this was a great idea on your part, Heather. I really, really do. Given where we are now with the Star Trek franchise, we're in this Latinum age, as I like to call it. Uh, now is a great time to talk about legacy characters. Uh, we've seen some in Strange New Worlds, as well as some of the other shows. We've seen characters from the history of the Star Trek franchise uh, come back, whether it's for a cameo or being a regular character in one of the new shows, uh, or we're seeing characters that originally did not have a lot expanded upon them getting more fleshed out and heather had this fantastic idea for old business this part of the show where we thought of what characters from past star trek shows and the history of the Star Trek franchise, do you think would do well with an appearance or uh, a regular appearance uh, in this current era? I-, I loved this question. If you if you have ideas out there for uh, characters in Star Trek that you might like to see, uh, let us know at Prom Trek Pod on Twitter. I'd definitely like to hear what everyone else out there thinks about this. Uh, Heather, I will let you go first. If there's a character out there that you would like to see come back, who'd it be? Well, I, I have two kind of separate answers for this. Uh, the first is I, th- I think the easiest um, one that a lot of people are going to go to for this topic because, I mean, we're in strange new worlds. We're getting more depth from a lot of 
former TOS characters, which is what inspired this, because I'm really excited about that. Um, but the one, and, and and we know we're getting a lot from TNG, but the 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 one where you know we could still see other characters come back would be Voyager and uh, DS9, and. I think if I had to pick one character specifically, um, I would love to see Colonel Kira. Colonel Kira. You know, I gave a lot of thought to Colonel Kira Narice, and I definitely get that. I really, really do. I, I nearly picked her myself. Uh, whether it was something after the Dominion War, after Bajor enters the Federation, or where she stands in the Bajoran militia after all of this happened. And when at the end of DS9, uh, during Season 7, uh, they Starfleet gave her a commission. And you really do think about how all of that went down. Uh, I think about what happened after what we leave behind a lot when it comes to Star Trek. I, I think about what happened in DS9 after the end of Deep Space Nine a lot. And my pick, uh, no, Heather, it is not Chakotay. <laughs> uh, it's actually Ezri Dax. I have said for the longest time that I really liked the little we saw of Esri Dax. I thought that she was a wonderful character. Uh, the conflict of her finding her own identity as a newly joined Trill, uh, her duty as a ship's counselor, and being a young Starfleet officer. I really felt like there was a lot to work with there. And we really only got to maybe not even scratch the surface with Esri. And for me, as much as Kira, it's Esri Dax for me. But yes, definitely. I'm with you on Kira for sure. Well, here's the thing. And, and this is why I went with Kira. And Esri really fits into this too. Both of them are characters which could easily slot into a episodic episode of new Star Trek because uh, like whatever Esri is doing right now, like if, if you follow her timeline from the books, she's a captain, she has her own ship, like that could easily slot into an episode. Uh, Kira is, if Kira is still on DS9 uh, running the space station, that could easily slot into an episode. So it's something that could easily fit into an episode of new Star Trek in which we could get to just see what these characters are up to right now and, and, and how they've grown over the years. Now, here's the other thing I want to bring up. Because when we were at Chicago, and you'll remember this, David, during the DS9 panel, they asked uh, yes, yes. Uh, Nana and Sid and uh, Chase if they would consider coming back to New Start or to the current shows. And their main answer was yes, but they wanted Ira Stephen Bearer to be involved in writing the story. And I really appreciated that answer because it really shows the type of connection 
that Ira had with uh, the cast and crew of DS9, and they really trust him with their characters, characters that mean a lot to them. They trust him to make sure that they the these characters are done right. So you know what? If Alex Kurtzman stumbles across this podcast at some point or another, and, and we're really pre- preaching to Star Trek today, like this is going to be the theme of the show. We're, we're making all kinds of elevator pitches today on this episode. <laughs> we're really and, pre- and Heather preaching. To we Star are completely Trek. on the same wavelength with this one with Iris Stephen Bear. We're completely on the same wavelength. Yeah, so we're, we're really pitching to Star Trek. But if you want to get the DS Nine legacy characters involved. Bring in Ira Stephen Bear. It doesn't have to be in a showrunner position. Just bring him in to write the episode, and they will be there. Like, it, I I can't see anyone saying no to this situation. Like, pay him what he wants. Bring him in to write the episode, and it'll be amazing. You could even have him do a few episodes because he was the real innovator of linear storytelling episodic storytelling in star trek he he made serialized star trek a thing and there is so much in this current era that does linear storytelling and serialized episodes so well i feel like maybe even as a consultant slash writer some kind of role where he would be involved. Uh, I think he would be a perfect fit with everything that the current era of Star Trek is trying to do now. Because one of the big things that people say about DS9 now is that it was 20 years ahead of its time. And if Deep Space Nine had come out today, it would fit right in perfectly with everything else in sci-fi television right now. I think Nana Visitor would have no problem slipping into Norris uh, in this era. I I have complete faith that Nicole DeBoer could be Captain Esri Dax or if she were a ship's counselor or, or any kind of thing that would bring those characters to the current era. And I like that we both kind of stayed in the the 90s era of Star Trek of bringing characters to the forefront. Because I guess Strange New Worlds pretty much has the the 60s covered, right? Well, that's right. But I got one other thing I wanted to bring up. Because remember, I said I had two answers here. You did. The second one is... And I'm not exactly sure how long-lived they are. But my favorite character from Enterprise is Shran. So yes, I I I, I want to see. It doesn't necessarily have to be Shran. It could be Jeffrey Combs playing a descendant of Shran, if you want. But I I want to see more Andorians, and you know we have Hemmer in Strange New Worlds, but you know we deserve to learn. We know so much about Vulcan history. We know so much about Klingon history. We deserve to learn more about Andorian history and uh, their culture and their planet and how things work for them. So I want to see more Andorians. I was watching Enterprise earlier today before we recorded, Heather, and 
one of the big things about Enterprise that they did a great job with that really no other Star Trek series did was bring the Andorians into the franchise. They they gave us more about the Andorians than any of the other shows ever did. Absolutely. And I love that. And I would absolutely love to see more of them. Uh, And and Jeffrey Combs could absolutely play uh, a descendant of Shran. It's not like Star Trek isn't afraid of using the same actor for different roles over and over again. Brent Spiner. So, yes, they absolutely could. And I mean, can can you picture uh, Bruce Horak's attitude as Hemmer and Jeffrey Combs attitude as Shran just going at each that, other. <laughs> like, there'd, be a, there'd be a lot of be there'd amazing. be a lot of acting in that. I, there's <laughs> there'd be some acting in that and it'd be a lot of fun. Yeah. But Heather, you just allowed me to think of a second name that I would love to see again. Okay. And this particular actress is someone that I've talked about many, many times uh, on the podcast and elsewhere, and she is also pretty much around the same age as Patrick Stewart. Uh, I'm talking about Diana Muldor reprising her role as Dr. Catherine Pulaski. I'd love to see Dr. Pulaski uh, again, either, and I think Picard would be perfect for it. We don't know if she's going to make a cameo in season three of Picard, but I would love to see Dr. Pulaski. Is she still practicing? Did she retire? Uh, I I would love to know where she stands on the ban on synthetic life, as we're seeing now in this current era of Star Trek and the ban being lifted uh, because of her originally prickly relationship with data to where she eventually grew to respect him. I would love to know how Pulaski feels about what has happened now in the Federation. I'd love to know that. Oh, okay. I'll I'll, I'll give you that last part. I think that would make an interesting story when it comes to the, the, the sense at least. Um, other than that, no, I'm not on board. <laughs> no. Okay. Well, everyone out there, please t- tell us what Trek legacy characters you would like to see. Uh, maybe just get a little refresh uh, in the current era. Let us know on social media at Prom Trek Pod. If you want to send us an email, it's at promenadetrekpod at gmail.com. We'll read it here. If you send us an email, we'll totally read it. But you can tweet at us at promtrekpod. Let's get into the new business, Heather. And there's this, this show, Star Trek Strange New Worlds, that came out. It's, it's kind of a big deal. I guess. Yeah, it's, it's, it's pretty big. It's, it's kind of an instant hit. People are loving it. I, I said, uh, like around episode two, I've already gotten two non-Trekkies to check out Strange New Worlds. And I've heard that they've really enjoyed it. And yeah, so far, Star Trek Strange New Worlds is 
really living up to the hype, wouldn't you say? Uh, I'm not going to go that far. <laughs> no, no. Okay. Okay. Let, let's dive into that a little bit. Um, Here on this podcast, we were originally kind of lukewarm on Strange New Worlds for various reasons. I will say that three episodes in, I'm I'm really giving it a, a pretty good thumbs up. I'm I'm saying it's satisfactory so far. I'm I'm good with it right now. I think that they're doing a good job with the legacy characters so far. So far. Like we're we're getting somewhere. Uh they've introduced some new characters and they are starting to flesh out characters that needed to be expanded upon. And I've definitely taken a liking to one new character in particular. Uh, and that's La'an Nunyan Singh. I'll talk a little bit about her later. And Heather, I know we need to hear your take on Hammer, but please, as the one of us who was even more skeptical about Strange New Worlds, I would love to know what you're thinking. Okay, so I I I I have enjoyed all the episodes of Strange New Worlds I've watched so far. Um, I really enjoy watching them flesh out a lot of the characters that we saw in TOS, but really didn't get to explore that much. Um, like I'm loving Nurse Chapel. Um, I'm loving Doctor Mbanga. I'm loving Number One. Uh, I, I'm really enjoying. The, the depth that we're going into Cadet Uhura. Um, I obviously love Hemmer and uh, and La'an. I really do love La'an. Here's my one problem. I'm not loving Pike at all. Really? In any of these episodes. Um, I'm not. Wow. That's interesting. Like what what's going on there? I I I just um well there's so much else that I'm enjoying that Pike really comes in last, but I I have a few well, you know, he, he he's coming across like, okay, so I'm not the biggest fan of TOS. And to me, Pike is okay. coming across like Kirk. Mm. And okay. I, I'm, I'm not a fan of Kirk. <laughs> I've never been a sure. fan of Kirk. Sure. Um, and th there's just, th there's a few things going on. Like, we're, when we dive into the episodes specifically, like specifically in episode three. Hmm. Okay. Uh, that just rubbed me the wrong way about Pike. But as for I, everything I else, I think I know what you're getting at. I do think I know what you're getting at. But keep going. Uh, as as for everything else, I'm I'm enjoying all the characters. I'm enjoying the stories. Um, and yeah, there there's a lot to enjoy about Strange New Worlds. But Pike's the main reason I will still not get on the 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 hype train. I I'm I'm. I'm here to enjoy Strange New Worlds for everything else. Um, I'm, I'm not enjoying Pike, and that, I'm going to be very honest about that, at least here. Hmm. 
That is exactly what I expected you to say. Like we hadn't <laughs> talked since Strange New Worlds premiered. And that is 100% exactly the answer I expected from you. But I, I'm looking forward to talking about the episodes with you. I really am. I have really enjoyed Strange New Worlds even more than I expected. I love every member of the crew. Uh, there's always one character in a Star Trek series that takes a little more time to grow on me, and I know what character that is, but I think that character will grow on me in time. But the entire cast, the acting is really good. Uh, I love that only three episodes in, we have some real depth for Dr. Mamenga that was never expanded upon in the original series. Uh, his story is already becoming something incredible. And La'an Nunyan Singh, there was something that I connected with about her almost immediately. And hearing her story about surviving this terrible attack by the Gorn and losing her family and uh, having to deal with her family history and her ancestry and dealing with her last name and feeling like an outcast from people and especially in the light of the Federation and, and genetic engineering and the eugenics wars, there is some deep pain and trauma with La'an that that really connected with me and the fact that Pike very quickly offered her a position on the Enterprise uh it it really struck a chord because it, even when you're dealing with all of that there's a place in the Federation for you and I really really liked that um I've really, really liked the first three episodes more than I expected. I think there's been a good balance of comedy, a good balance of action, and a good bit of Star Trek storytelling where it's about the message and, and what they're trying to convey. I think Anson Mount is performing the role of Christopher Pike exceptionally well. He is taken to that character just extremely well. Uh, Ethan Peck, once again, I love his portrayal of Spock because his balance of half-human, half-Vulcan, I really think he does a really good job with that. He's not meant to be Spock in the original series and onwards. He's a younger version of that guy where he still has not completely figured out his emotions and completely figured out his logic. And I'm okay with that. And I've said this on Twitter, but I'm going to say it now. I think that Ethan Peck might be my favorite portrayal of Spock, Heather. I think he is. Those be fighting words to some people. Yeah, yeah, they are, but... I, I just, there's something about his portrayal from Discovery till now that just really snapped for me. Uh, I feel like I would be remiss if I did not talk about Rebecca Romaine as number one. 
I am loving that this legacy character, arguably one of the most important characters in the history of the franchise, number one, Una Chin Riley, we are getting some real story for her. And I love that we're getting something. And I would love to talk about that later, like when we when we really get into it. So right now, I am saying so far so good with Star Trek Strange New Worlds. That's kind of where I'm standing. So far so good. What do you think? Like I said, I'm enjoying it. So far so good, right? So far so good. I'm not saying that. (laughs) All right, all right. Um, Okay, let's jump in. Let's jump in. Uh, Episode one. Strange I, New Worlds. You know, we did talk about episode one on the last episode. We did? Oh, jeez. Yeah. Okay, cool. Episode two, then. Children of the Comet. Um, Cadet Ohura goes on her first away mission, exploring what appears to be a comet, hurtling towards a pre-warped planet, potentially killing all of its inhabitants. But the Enterprise is stopped by a ship being piloted by a race that calls themselves the Shepherds, who call this comet Mahanit. And they say that there is more to it than meets the eye. I had fun with this episode. I think that there was a lot happening, but I really had fun with it, Heather. What did you think? I I really enjoyed it. Um, I, I love that it, it took a really deep focus on Ohura. And it... it showed her in a a depth that we didn't know before like i i I love the idea that she's not really certain if she wants to be a part of starfleet and you know it was just something she decided to do and is she still trying to figure out her place or what she wants to do with her life and i think that's a really relatable position that a lot of people can can get behind you know so I, I really enjoyed that aspect. Um, I, I love the fact that we were introduced to Lieutenant Sam Kirk in episode one, and then in episode two, he spends most of it knocked out. <laughs> <laughs> kind of on brand. Yeah. Um, so, but I and I I like the back and forth between Spock and Uhura in this episode, and it, it really shows. Um, where Spock's at with his career and what he still needs to learn to 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 grow and build as a better leader. I liked that at the end of this episode, Spock changed his tone with Cadet Uhura. Uh, in rather than saying she should move out of the way, uh, he came to the understanding that should Uhura choose to stay in Star Trek, she absolutely has a place. And I think he realized that. And I think it's great that he told Uhura that as well, because while she is not entirely sure herself, I think the rest of the crew of the Enterprise 
has really made it clear that they like having her around and and she absolutely contributes and is absolutely a part of the team uh even with ortegas giving her a little bit of rookie hazing which i will admit i thought was funny and the the dress uniform and pike kind of laughing at the dinner party that he was hosting i will admit i laughed but it wasn't malicious it wasn't like a mean-spirited prank. Nobody got hurt. Yeah, it, it, it's honestly, that's the type of hazing that's okay. <laughs> okay. it no Nobody got hurt in it. It, it, it was just sort of funny, and I enjoyed that. And it, that that helped show Ortegas's character, too. Like, it, it helped show her humor. And we got to see a lot of her in this episode, too, because she's a damn good pilot. Damn! Every single She's one a- of these helmsmen are damn good pilots on these shows, love man. It. Love I it. love it. And I, Ortegas is so cool. She's just, she is, in the best way, she is too cool for school. And the way that Pike kind of challenged her to say, so you, you want to be the best pilot to come out of the Academy? Okay, prove it. I felt like that is being a great commanding officer right there. It's challenging your your officer to be the best they can be, but also showing that you have faith that they can do the job. And I thought Pike did a really good job at that. And, and I really loved that. And I loved the comet part of this episode where we saw that the shepherds, uh, ended up being correct about what Mahanit was going to do. And this episode ended with a, a message kind of like in episode one that was very, very moralistic, like episode episodic Star Trek has done in the past. And I think with the first two episodes, the the premiere and this episode, they really told that story where it's about more than the sci-fi. There is a message about our modern world to look through and, and get a better understanding of where maybe next time you see someone with a belief system that you don't completely understand, it's a good idea to listen and hear them out and let them make their case because in the end, Mahani did something really amazing. But let's be honest here. Mahani did not miss that planet without the Enterprise's help. So what comes first there, the chicken or the egg? Like, uh, had they not the been question. there, had they not done what they did, then it would have still hit the planet. And so, like, like yes, it, it, it left you with, like it, it, they were right, and it was more than it would seem. But also, the Enterprise was right in order to do what they did to help the Comet avoid the planet because they they, they needed their help. But you remember at the end of the episode where they were talking about everything that happened, uh, they made the point to say that the course that Mahanit was on 
it kind of already predicted everything that was going to happen. It predicted Spock's shuttle and, and how it needed to alter course and, and all of that beforehand. So it's it's definitely a chicken or the egg thing in that regard. Yeah. And and I thought that was really, really cool. And I, I really liked episode two a lot. I think so far, episode two is my favorite of the series so far. Well, my favorite of the series was episode three so far. Ghosts of Illyria. The crew of the Enterprise comes down with a bizarre illness after investigating an abandoned Illyrian colony. The crew all develop a rabid addiction to light, and only number one is immune. This was very retro Star Trek in a lot of ways. And this also reminded me of a a few of the wilder episodes of Star Trek Voyager. Like Voyager would have some really out there episodes. And I feel like this really emphasized the strange in Strange New Worlds. I was definitely curious about where they were going to go with Una being immune to the the virus that infected everyone. Uh, what did you think of this episode, Heather? So I I really loved this episode. Um, I love the focus and the backstory of Una actually being an Illyrian because I, I, like and someone who knows or, ha, or who has read the books and the comics and the backstory they gave her um, can correct me if I'm wrong on this, but the backstory she was given in those was that she was still a human who was raised on an Illyrian colony. So she wasn't actually Illyrian. Um, I love the fact that they made her Illyrian. Uh, I love the fact that Illyrians use genetic augmentation for positive means. And I love the fact that it was that positive genetic augmentation that Una has, which ultimately helped save the entire crew from this disease. Um, I think it, goes to say something important in which Star Trek has always shown genetic engineering as something negative and something to be avoided and something to be uh, evil. And to show Una and the Illyrians as using their genetic enhancements in a positive way really takes a step forward in that because like it, 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 it it's something that has always bugged me because um i was born with a genetic disorder so mm-hmm. when i i look at like i love con and i love the idea of the augments but when i look at how star trek has approached genetic engineering as a whole it's basically saying that you should not alter your genome whatsoever and it does not look at the positive effects that genetic engineering can have like people who were born with genetic disorders who only need one little tweak in their genes in order to fix the disease or disorder that they they were born with those are positive aspects of it 
but it's completely ignored that and just drove in the negative, negative, negative. You should be happy with the way you're born. You should be happy and content as humans, as we have evolved, you know, and it ignores the, the, the positive things that the, the benefits that can come from, uh, genetic engineering or genetic augmentation and then in this episode they gave us a character like una who is so brave and so fierce and so badass and has these positive aspects of her genes in which she can expel any disease or any thing that invades her body like who could how could anyone not benefit from something like that, you know? And then uh, she uses this to not only save herself, but to save La'an at the end of the episode, and then by doing that, save the entire crew. Um, I want to ask you two things about this, Heather. Um, number one, at the end of this episode, Una told Captain Pike the truth and offered to resign her commission in Starfleet because of it. And Pike immediately rejected her resignation. Um, how did you feel about that when that happened? On one hand, um, I appreciated his response because his automatic response was to stand by the person that he knows and not judge her on her her differences but then there's a couple things he says to her in that in which that you know you are exceptional and you are 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 the exception to the rule kind of and that goes on you can see the impact and then kind of the negative impact that those words have on her at the end of the episode when she's writing that log, because it did not make her any feel like it should have made her feel better, but it didn't. And it didn't because as much as he accepted her and wanted to stand by her, there was still an air to his words that, you know, it was only because of her work and the person that she is that he was doing that. And it was not because her genetic augmentation was okay. It was not because he accepted her 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 genetic engineering and, and her, her background as an Illyrian, but it was because he accepted her. So, like, the, the, the most powerful thing she says at the end of the episode is, like, when is just being Illyrian going to be okay? So, as, as much as she is accepted and, and cared for by Pike and the rest of the crew, she ultimately feels the same longing that a lot of people do in that, you know, it, it, it shouldn't just be her. It should be all Illyrians. That's a great point. It really is. Uh, I I was reminded of Dr. Bashir and when it was revealed that his DNA had been altered 
when he was a kid and he had been enhanced genetically. And here's the idea of Julian Bashir, just like Una had been made to be this exceptional person. This, uh, the word I use for Una is that she is hyper competent. She is so perfectly perfect. And you can't help but wonder about who she would have been otherwise. And you, what I got from that was there was a level of insecurity uh, after, after that episode and after she was making that log. Uh, there was something about her origin that while she had no qualms about who she was, she was very uncertain about her place in Starfleet. And I think her uncertainty makes a lot of sense. And maybe this is the beginning of a turnaround of how people in the Federation feel about genetic engineering. Well, um, it, it, like, you know, I, I have a lot of qualms with Bashir as well, because as much as like, yes, they ds9 accepted him as well they still treated him like he was different so like o'brien and cisco and a couple instances still like almost made jokes about the fact that he could do insanely crazy math calculations in his head due to his augmentation and that was kind of the reaction i didn't like like so i i I, I'm really excited about Una and like her race as a whole using augmentation because I, I didn't know that about the Illyrians. And like I said, that might've been something that it, I just missed in Star Trek history or whatever. But I, I think her situation is slightly different from Bashir's in that, you know, she has a cause and, a, a, a whole background and, and planet of people who she's also fighting for acceptance, even though like her crew accepts her, she wants them to accept all Illyrians. And that's totally fair. Now, let me ask you about La'an. Um, La'an had a much different reaction to this revelation about Una. Uh, and it comes from a much different place. Um, La'an Nunyan Singh knows exactly who her ancestor is and what all of that means uh, with the Federation, with Earth. Uh, she was ostracized because of it. Uh, even though she wasn't genetically enhanced, she was coming from a place of deep, deep pain uh, because of this. Uh, how did you feel about La'an's reaction to Una, where, one, the fight scene, and two, at the end of the episode when they were eating the strawberries together? I think La'an's reaction is completely understandable, too, because that really shows both sides of the issue on this, in which you have a case where it's so negatively 
shown that it has impacted her history in a negative way. And she has every right to feel that way. And then someone who was raised with it in a positive aspect as well. So Una doesn't see herself like the other augments because they used it for a positive force rather than a negative. And, you know, it's an interesting dynamic because, I mean, we know he's a relative of hers. That was just dropped in there and confirmed. But we don't know exactly how that family tree unfolds. So who is to say she's not actually genetically enhanced at some point? Because she's got the same genes as him and his were enhanced. Okay. Mm -hmm. So who's to say she does not have some genetic enhancements that were passed along down the line to her? Um but it, it really shows that there are two sides of the issue and not just one. So I have, I have no issue with her, the way she reacted. It was completely understandable. And I look forward to seeing them grow, especially because the two of them have such a history together, which we found out in episode one. I look forward to seeing them grow after this revelation. All right, so... I've talked about La'an, and I've talked about Spock. I would love to know, how are you feeling three episodes in about Chief Engineer Hammer? Tell me how you're feeling. (laughs) Oh, I love him. I love him so much. Uh, He is, Hammer is just a cocky, snarky, badass engineer i mean he transported the core of a planet people really (laughs) like he he is and and one of the most awesome things about hammer is that i mean we're very obvious that he is an anar he has a vision disability he was born blind but that cannot stop him at all and he is shown as the most capable kick-ass engineer and i love it like and it it feels like each one of these episodes is kind of like with the exception of episode one like episode two and three have gone into really a focus on, on one particular character. Um, I can't wait till we get to an episode that focuses on Hemmer. It, 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 it's going to be a lot of fun and a lot of snark and a lot of really amazing top shelf engineer stuff. Like we're only three episodes in and he's probably my favorite engineer of the entire Star Trek universe. Yeah. All right. All right. Um... I said at the beginning of the episode where with pretty much any Star Trek series, there might be always be one character that I need a little bit more time on, where I need a little bit more to, to let it grow on me. I said that about Grey in Discovery. Uh, I've said that about Seven of Nine in Voyager and, and others to, to go on. Um, right now with Hammer. I'm, I'm going to take a few more episodes 
because I I would like a little bit more. That that's not me saying I I dislike him or like him either way. I would just like a little bit more because I feel like we haven't gotten a ton from him for me to really gauge how I feel. Like in the case of Laon, like something snapped with her immediately, like with you and Hammer, and. I don't know, something about Hammer, I'm just, I'm not quite there yet with him. I'm not there. I, I don't dislike him, but I'd like a little more. I'd like a little more. And, I, hey, I, we're, we're going to get more. We're going to get more. I, I, I mean, you know, that makes complete sense. We have not seen that much from him. He was barely in episode one. And he really only had a handful of scenes between episode two and three. So we haven't, he's, he's one of the crew members that we haven't seen a whole lot from yet. So yeah, no, that makes complete sense. I do. Okay. I want to point out something right now that has been pet peeving me all week. Okay. Um, so everyone knows that Majel Barrett played, both number one and Christine Chapel. Okay. Right. To the entire Star Trek universe on the internet, please stop saying that you wish the same person was playing Christine Chapel and number one in Strange That's New Worlds. That's so dumb. That Please is so dumb. Please stop saying it, okay? Even as someone here who loves Rebecca Romaine, I love Rebecca Romaine. Like, that, that is, that's ridiculous. Like it's, that's absurd. It's not funny. It, 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 it's gotten old very quick. And we are getting a deep dive exploration into these two amazing women characters that are each getting their own background and their own personalities and no like just stop saying you wish the same person was playing both of them i get the joke but it's not funny it's okay? not funny at all it's not it's funny not. please stop and, and jess bush is already winning people over in her performance as Nurse Chapel. So knock it off. Knock it off. All right. Heather, I, I gots to know. I gots to know. Uh, I think I have an idea of something in particular, but tell me your gripes with Christopher Pike. I, you know, I, I just, um, yeah. There's uh okay, so when we were first introduced to to Pike, Anson Mounts Pike in season two of Discovery, there was very much like a family courageous dad feel to him. Um in these first three episodes of Strange New Worlds, like there's it's kind of an arrogance there. That really? I I I'm not on board with, and I I I I don't know. Like I I'm just I I'm not. Uh, there's an arrogance and there's a stubbornness in which like, and I I mean we talked the last episode about Pike 
really being fixated on his future and what's to happen with that. But it, 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 it goes beyond that in which like there's, I, I don't know. There's kind of like a, 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 some a, a distance between Pike and the rest of this crew. I feel okay. Okay. Um. Um. Go ahead. Go ahead. Yeah, I, I'm not quite sure how to explain it. I I just like I I talked about my issues with how how he handled um that conversation with number one, but there's an unwillingness to kind of open open his mind and be accepting um, with a lot of his interactions and dealings like with, with the shepherds and um, with number one and the Illyrians in, in episode three uh, there's, there's a lack of openness to him that I, 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 I just, I don't feel it's there. And, and like I said, it, it's not, completely hindering my love of the show i have a lot of other reasons to love the show and i'm enjoying it for those but i i i am not in love with captain pike and i'm also like it's also the fan reaction like everyone it seems like everyone just wants to drool over anson mount and i don't get behind (laughs) stuff like that i really don't yeah that like We we saw what happened after mission chicago yeah, like that that just kind of turns me off when everyone wants to be like, "Oh, Captain Pike's so dreamy. I would give him anything." <laughs> no, that is a complete turn off to me and has and will always been be. So, I like I said, I I'm not I don't I don't hate the show. I'm really enjoying watching the show. I'm enjoying watching a lot of the character developments and a lot of the acting in the show. Um, I, I'm just, I'm not watching it for Christopher Pike. If I'm being completely okay. honest. I, I'm going to ask you a twofold question here. Um, the first one is when you brought up that Pike has an arrogance to him. Don't you think Hemmer's a bit arrogant too? Oh, Absolutely. Uh, but it, it, it's an arrogance that I didn't see before. So I don't, I don't think he had that arrogance in season two of discovery and now I see it. Hmm. Okay. All right. I, I get you. Um, second part of that, um, and, and I'm just curious because you, you mentioned, uh, a kind of distance that he has and, and going along with that arrogance. How do you feel about Jean-Luc Picard in the run of the next generation? how do you feel about Jean-Luc Picard? I, I mean, Picard has a distance himself to his, his entire crew, but he, he still respected them and he still had connections there. And it, it almost feels to me like Pike is pushing his connections away. 
So instead of trying to gain more connection, like Picard did throughout the run of TNG, Pike's pushing him away. I get that. I definitely get that. Um, I think that I can, I think we know the reason why he's doing that. Um, he is really, really struggling with the fact that he saw his future. And as he coined it, which I know a lot of people didn't like, uh, he saw his own death. Uh, but then he corrected himself and said, well, it, it's not exactly how he planned his life going, uh, not necessarily his death. Um, but he might be pushing those people away because he's really having a hard time dealing with that. And I think that will be something that they will explore. And I definitely get what you're saying. Well, yeah, like I, I said, I, I, I get that too. But that's a, it's a trait of toxic masculinity to do that and to push oh. people away that you care about. You know, and so like we want to uphold Pike as like this example of good masculinity, which I've seen a lot of people do over the years, ever since season two of Discovery. And to me, that seems like watching him do that now in Strange New Worlds, it seems toxic. And so it, it goes against everything they built him up as in Discovery. All right. Um... On that topic, before we move on, you mentioned toxic masculinity. Um, can you give me like someone you had would have in mind uh, as a fictional character that might not be an example of toxic masculinity? Just because I, I want to get like your perspective on it, because I really I, I find this really interesting what you're saying about about pike so i'm just kind of trying to look for a comparison here someone like, who's not an example of toxic masculinity mm-hmm. um i mean if you want to say all men are toxic that's fine that's totally okay <laughs> no okay so this is kind of a weird <laughs> example but it's the first one that came to my head if you watch the the new Marvel series Moon Knight, okay, uh, d- d- he has multiple personalities. Uh, but Stephen Grant is an example of someone who is not toxic as a man. Okay, all right. I have not yet checked out Moon Knight, but I will. I I will. At your recommendation, because so I, I, I no, go I, ahead. I keep describing Moon Knight to pe- people who I like, even my own family members who love Marvel who still haven't watched the series yet. And I describe it as Marvel meets the mummy. <laughs> so we mm. talked about the mummy before we started recording. Uh, Moon Knight is basically Marvel meets the mummy. <laughs> so okay. you should definitely watch it. All right. Even though I'm not bi? Even though you're okay? not bi, yes. That's okay. All right. <laughs> All right. Uh, yeah, okay. I will check that out. That that is, that is an interesting perspective. I like it. I like it because Anson Mount's Pike has been held up so high uh, since he came along 
That is really, really interesting. It really, really is. I, I love that. I really do. And I, I'm going to watch Moon Knight now, and I'll probably get back with you. Okay. I'll get back with you on that. <laughs> okay. um, and, and I like to believe that as the show goes on, I will grow to like Hammer. I think I will. I think I will. And I love La'an. I love La'an very much. Uh, let's go into new business, uh, upcoming business, sorry, uh, and, and let's wrap up. Now, as we said at the top, this is going to be our pitch episode, and, and anybody out there at Prom Trek Pod, we will tag Star Trek, we will retweet it, give us your Star Trek pitch, because I know I've had some ideas, I know Heather has some ideas, I know all of you out there listening have some ideas, so Heather... With upcoming business, we have so much Star Trek right now, it feels like there are infinite possibilities. So imagine right now Alex Kurtzman is stumbling upon the Promenade Virgins podcast, and if there is something you'd like to see produced, what would it be? Well, I, I, I mean, my whole idea for this was the awesome, like, promo premiere boxes, which they send out to all sorts of lucky people upon the premieres of New Star Trek. And they have all sorts of cool stuff in them. And I would love to get one. <laughs> so, Star Trek, <laughs> if you like any of these ideas and you're going to make it for this premiere box, uh, please send me one. You have my Twitter handle. You follow me on, on, on the Twitter. Send me one. Okay. So my idea is for the premiere of Lower Decks Season 3. In the promotional box, it needs to be Sherlock Holmes themed. Because the whole concept of Lower Decks Season 3 is the search for Captain Freeman. Uh, so I think Sherlock Holmes, considering how much they love TNG and like to reference TNG, would be a perfect theme for that box. Uh, a magnifying glass, a, a Sherlock Holmes hat with the Starfleet Deltas. Um, a violin. Maybe a, a little violin. Uh, some candy cigars, because you can't actually send some real cigars. Okay. And um, some bourbon. And bourbon glasses, because they like to include alcohol in that. I'm all for the bourbon. Send me the Sherlock Holmes theme bourbon lower decks box. Um, I love that idea. I think you guys should use it. And then send me one. Please, please, please. Can I add a little bit of pepper onto this? In lower decks, since they love TNG so much and they go on the holodeck, maybe they could get... Daniel Davis to reprise his role as James Moriarty. Oh, they should. They definitely I, should. I, I feel like that would really be the icing on the cake. I think it really would. So th there you go. All I want is a consulting credit. That's all I want. I want a consulting credit on the episode. That's it. No, no, no. Here's what they need to do because Barkley had the thing that Moriarty was stuck in. So Barkley needs to come consult on the Cerritos and then Mariner and Boimler and Tendi and Rutherford steal the programming box that Moriarty was stuck in and accidentally plug it into the holodeck and let him loose. 
that would be great. That that would be a perfect episode of Lower Decks. And Lower Decks is just this fun show that is animated, so the possibilities are completely endless. I love it, Heather. I love it. I absolutely love it. Um can I um I do have one that I've brought up uh, a few times here and there. Uh and over time, I've managed to kind of flesh it out in my head a little bit. Um, I've talked about Jake Sisko and how in DS9, he talked about becoming a writer and then becoming a reporter. And there's this thing in my head that, that I call the Jake Sisko report, where Star Trek produces what kind of looks like almost sort of an Anderson Cooper 60 minutes kind of television production that has Jake Sisko reporting the news across the Alpha Quadrant in Star Trek. What's happened with the Cardassians after after the Dominion War? What's going on with the Romulans? Uh, all of these things that affect the Federation uh, and going out to various parts in the Star Trek universe and being this galaxy-traveling, award-winning reporter uh, doing these big news stories uh, the same way you'll see on, like, 60 Minutes or when CNN does, like, this big hour-long special on something. I would like that for Jake Sisko. That's what I would want. And you get Sirach Lofton to reprise the role. And the only thing I would really want is a consulting credit. I just want to see my name in the credits. That's it. That's all. Even one episode. Just one episode. Get my name in the credits. That's it. Let's make Jake Sisko a, a world-famous traveling reporter, uh, exploring the news, and even maybe... You could even have Ira Stephen Bear write that. I think that'd be the way to get him and the rest of the DS9 cast back in. Have Ira Stephen Bear do it. There you go. Yep. I, I solved the problem of getting Ira Stephen Bear into Star Trek. That's my old idea, but I did come up with something new, Heather. Okay. Now, there's been a lot of rumor and, and discussion about what is eventually supposed to be a Starfleet Academy series, right? Mm -hmm. I think that, one, it would probably be in the Lower Decks to Picard era of the timeline, if it were me. And I want to see Colin Maney reprise his role as Chief O'Brien. Because, if you remember, on the final episode of DS9, he was leaving the station and he was taking a teaching job at the Academy. I would at the very least like a cameo from Miles O'Brien, or somehow if he becomes a regular member of the cast, have Rosalind Chow come back as Keiko, have Miles, uh, Kiriyoshi, have Molly, their daughter, bring back the whole O'Brien family back into Star Trek, because after all, he is the most important person in Starfleet history. So... <laughs> If you're going to do the Starfleet Academy series, have Miles O'Brien. Yeah. No qualms there. All right. Okay. 
I think we've talked about plenty of Star Trek for the next couple of weeks, wouldn't you say, Heather? I think we have. All right. Well, thank you as always, genuinely and truly. I I love doing this with you. I love that you continue to make me think about things uh, a little bit differently. And and I, I really love that. Everybody, Follow Heather at NerdyGal33. She's fantastic. She might even have some new things coming up in the future, so stay tuned. Everybody give her a follow at NerdyGal33. Unless you're coming you can to follow-, follow me to yell at me about my views about Pike. <laughs> and, and if you do, you'll have to deal with me. You will have to deal with me. And, and some of y'all know how I can get, you know, and nobody wants that. Uh, you can follow the podcast at Prom Trek Pod. You can listen to this very podcast, Promenade Merchants, wherever podcasts can be aggregated. Spotify, Stitcher, Google, Amazon, you know the deal. Just find us, Promenade Merchants Podcast. We are an independent Star Trek podcast. We are the cool, scrappy underdogs. Heather, once again, thank you. Thanks, everybody, for listening. And until next time. I'm thinking of a new outro. Thanks for listening. (laughs) You didn't want to say live long and get fucked. You know, I might have. I was thinking about it. I really, really was. But mm, maybe. We'll see. Good night, everybody.